G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming at ya on Wednesday, once again, joined by the great man J-Lo. Plenty of basketball stuff to talk about. We don't dive a shitload into the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets saga, but seems like that's going to be going on for at least another couple of weeks. So we'll have some off-season basketball stuff to talk about. Summer League's about to get in full swing though, so... I will look forward to that in the coming weeks. For what it's worth, Chap Holmgren today looked pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. But like I said, JLo and I are here just to discuss a lot of the free agency moves and where people went. It was a relatively boring, if you say it, free agency period. Most of the people went where we expected, but there were some smaller moves that mattered. So we dissected a couple of them, talked our fantasy sides through as well. Did a bit of a longer fantasy chunk today. Talked about some players who aren't in our teams that we want to get before the year's out. JLo, the lucky man, is virtually rookieless. You don't really count Nick Dacos at the moment. And I'm getting there, but Dane Zorko has to go this week. So I'll address that issue first. A couple of other footy things. We talked about who's leading the Brownlow right now. We get another one versus two clash this weekend with Melbourne and Geelong squaring off tomorrow night. So that should be a ripper. And I think the top eight is almost set. I don't think anything's set in stone just yet. But if you tell me that the teams are currently one to eight are the teams that stay there to end the season, I won't be shocked. So a lot of stuff to talk about in today's episode. Let's not waste any time and dive right in. Boys are back. Hump day means it's time to sit down and talk sports. Uh, how are you doing on the 6th of July? JLo, happy late Independence Day. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I'm just cruising along. You know, man, it's good to do a day one, a day podcast. So, thank you. Yeah, you're looking great. Your, yeah, you're looking great in your new uh, decor, much more classy than usual. Yeah, using mum's art studio today. So, uh, yeah, plenty of inspiration around. Uh, Bustleton nice. sunlight, I'm claiming, is definitely uh, the reason for a bit of crispness. Uh, those people <coughs> tuned into the GSFL. Uh, Sharkies didn't get the win on the weekend, but played the top of the table and played them in uh, severely hamstrung, pun intended, conditions because we were both quite uh, hungover after watching Aries on Friday night, which was pretty epic. Yep. Uh, and the strings on your behalf, uh, didn't quite get through the contest. But, hey, we're still sitting third, still gunning for a top two spot. I've got another test uh, two weekends or, or 10 days from now because we've got the bye weekend. But footy does not stop. We've still got AFL on. Uh, how did the Quisplorkin boys go from a fantasy perspective? Because I was obviously making the trip down to Busso and was, I will admit, checking the uh, scores on my phone slightly. And saw that good old Sean Pufferfish Darcy got me over the line against you. Mm-hmm. So it takes the mm-hmm. uh, season tally to 12 and 4. But how are you feeling? How are the boys traveling? Nah, they're all right. You know, just had to do a bit of a switcheroo for Hawley. Uh, some wet conditions didn't help Himmelberg. Um, so once that's all ironed out, you know, got a full team now. If you count big old Nick Dacos, which I think quite a few <laughs> people are at this point. Got North Melbourne coming up. So, yeah, feel pretty good. Team English back. That's big for me, you know. That's huge for all the people that held on to Timmy English because 
there was some speculation about him maybe not playing, although Bevo was very coded with his messaging. He's like, oh, yeah, he should be right. Not too sure. We'll see how he goes in the week. I'm like, oh, the bloke's had two weeks off. Surely he gets up. Does he? Is he sitting in your ruck or forward line? Forward line at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> but I could move him, switch him and Darcy Cameron, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, full forward line now. You know, ruck. The ruck's a bit weird. My ruck's a bit weird. But ruck's I feel been like weird for everyone, of, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got Sean fucking Darcy, mate. Who would have so, thought? Yeah, don't know. But, um, yep, feeling good. Just lost to you, which sucks. But, uh Hey, what are you gonna do? You gonna Wasn't do by that? much. We'll give you credit. Like I said, it was took a couple of late hit outs and clearances from the big puffer fish to get me over the line. Uh, so you got no rookies. I mean, Nick Dacos does technically count, but no rookies across the field. That must be a fucking good feeling. Yeah, it never happens this early in the season. So no, it's you said that great. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah it, well, it doesn't. Like usually, it takes me up until a week the last two or three rounds like and we've got a bit of time up your sleeve so it really is luxury trades and trying to generate still money off the bench that's kind of i'm actually pretty thin on my bench spots you know like judson clark sitting in there and mm. you know that kind of thing so i've got to find a bit of money going forward but otherwise um going all right i think i've still got a couple rookies none of which uh nick dacos i got rid of him during the buy rounds which I instantly regretted, but say love still got Nick Martin floating. And I think, yeah, last week I fielded Saligo, but I'm getting a bit get a bit fancy with the trades this week. I was just gonna do a straight. I've still got Sam DeConing plugging away in my forward line. Forward, yeah, forward line. So finally getting rid of him. And I think I'm gonna try and get Timmy Taranto because the bloke scored yep. 125 in the weekend, had his 10 tackles. We didn't get to obviously watch the game, but it seemed like he was playing pretty purely as a mid. Um, and I think you started the year with him, right? I did. Yep. He was in the in the guts uh, over the week. I did get to watch that game. Um, oh, you dropped me gosh. off just before. Um, started with him. Loved it. Um, but then he his, his forward timing up forward was too high. So he wasn't around laying those tackles. Did lay the 10 on the weekend. I'm still a one-week watch on him, personally. I feel okay. like that those conditions made all those midfielders on the Giants. And, and you even look at Tommy Mitchell and I don't know what the other Hawks mids got, but I think that's inflated their tackle stats. And you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm a one-week watch, but hey. I feel like Tim Taranto by the end of the year will be in everyone's forward line. So if you're getting in early, why not, mate? I'm going to try and uh, finagle a few things because if I bring him onto the field, it means that I'll have to uh, probably play another rookie in my back line. But I'll just fling Martin around into my midfield. I've got Jacob Ware and good old DM Brosio down back. So I'm like, oh, both yep. of them should be okay. I think I'm going to at this stage jump on Callum Brown as well from the Giants who he's only been involved in four games, two of which he was like an unused medi sub, but he kicked four mm, snags mm. on the weekend. If you got to watch that one, you might be able to shed a bit more light because his score looks really good and his break evens like negative 17 defender forward. 
Uh, Jace Burgoyne, another defender mid who scored pretty well against Frio, who got my eye on as well. But how did, how did Brownie look? I don't expect him to kick four snags every week, but there was a high tackle number. Like you said, the weather probably played a big part of that. But do you reckon it's worth investing in him as a cash cow? Well, look, he's minus 17. So <laughs> he's going to bust his break even in the next two weeks. Kick four snags, so he's probably safe for two or three weeks. You'd you think, kind of, right? I feel like you do that. You get a bit of lenience. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't sold on him. He didn't look mm. great. Um, well, he kicked four snags. So I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't sold on him personally. Um, I would like to bring him in. I don't have Massimo, so I'm bringing him in this week because um, I feel I like, like he's, he's a better option. But look, Brownie's going to get you to three, four hundred now, but just because of where his break even sits. I do just worry about Spike McVeigh throwing the magnets around for the rest of the year, but it might be a really good option to let him play out the year. So I reckon it's not the worst thing getting on Brownie. I don't think he's the he's a top guy though. He's not yeah, like okay. a, a D'Ambrosio or um, what Jacob Ware was, or what Saligo was throughout the year. So, you know, just tread, tread with caution. If you've got that's, a better option, I would go for it. That's almost exactly what I wrote in my Cash Cows article for the Dream Team boys. I'm like, look, you kick four snags. Don't come blaming me when he has 40 this week. But yeah. I keep just coming back to what you said. Like, he's at the negative 17 break even. Um, I can't remember, actually. Let me get up what Burgoyne's break he is because he was the other one that I'm eyeballing. There's about 40k difference. His negative four break even. So you know Burgoyne both looked hold really he looks sloppy. Yeah. He got it he got around the footy a lot, but he looked bloody sloppy. Like did you watch any of that game? Nah, I tuned into the last maybe 10 minutes, but as a right. Frio well, fan, I wasn't really looking in. at the uh the fantasy scores. I was mainly just zeroed in on uh repelling those 50 entries from the power. He probably had five or six touches in the first quarter, but like every single one was just sloppy, like rushed yeah, okay. kick. He just didn't look up to the pace, but I, it sort of felt like he kind of played into the game a bit more. He's a smooth move and look, he looks good. He looks good out there. Yeah. I really excited, like Bergs. Excited about his future prospects. Um, all right. Let's dive into a little bit more in-depth fantasy stuff than what we've done probably in weeks past. I think. Yep consensusly speaking, most of these guys are easy to pick, but we're going to talk about, because there's one third roughly of the fantasy season left. There's a couple of weeks before finals and people are now, like you said, at the point where they're either got a few rookies or they've got a complete team and they want to get the big names in their squad. So we're going to run through each line and talk about who we think is going to score the most points over the final seven weeks of the season. And again, okay. there's some pretty easy candidates to pick in each line, but you never know. We might disagree on a couple. So let's start down back talking about all these defensive rookies. Who do you reckon is the backman that'll score the most points to close the fantasy season? Not total, but just in this seven, seven week window we got remaining. Ah, got to go with, I mean, Doherty is clearly above the rest. If you ask me, um, don't mind Crispy. He's got some good matchups. He got North this week. He might just go bang and sort of give us a 160 and then make it hard to catch up. But yep. yeah, I'll take um I'll take Doc. But Jordan Dawson has some really good matchups coming up. He's got a really nice schedule. So 
they're my three, but I would go Doherty. I jumped on Doherty with my trades last week. Mm. Who do, oh, I flicked out Alex Witherden finally. Yeah, that's right. I had that bloke on my side for a month while he hasn't been playing. Tough yeah, times good. at the uh, large fries and Coke HQ, but I think I'm going to slightly uh, change my answer and go with Dawson. I think that Doherty has scored the most points out of all backmans, probably the most expensive backman. If not, yep. then he's right up there in both those categories. But yeah, I think, like yeah, you said, Dawson's run home. It's going to be pretty huge. And he's had like some monster scores like Doherty had in the last month as well, I guess. I don't think there'll be too much daylight between those two. I think they're the clear top two. Uh, Jack Sinclair, another little smoky, had his nice 140 on the weekend. So if he had done that this weekend, then we might be changing it. Oh, hang on. Yeah, this weekend coming, then we might be changing our tune a bit. But yep. yeah, I think Dawson and Doc, they're almost like wingers playing in the back line, right? And Sinclair probably fits that bill as well. But they're pushing further up the deck. Dawson mm. loves to chew up plus sixes. Doherty can get. 18 to 24 points in a, you know, 20, 30 second span. So those two are the clear top two, if you ask me. Uh, Angus Brayshaw is floating around the back line and there's some people keen on him, but I don't see it as like a a high uh, scoring outlet. He might just turn around and be like a top six fringe defender. Uh, Shortmouth started really well against West Coast and then kind of petered out. So... I think there's a bit of daylight between Dawson and Doc, if you ask me. Mm. Yep. In the no, midfield. I'm totally on board with that. All right. Midfield. Who you got? Yeah. Who's the number one gun mid to close 2022? Oh, mate. There's a, there's a hell of a lot of options. Yeah, you can throw a blanket over most of them, hey? Yeah, this is probably easily going to be the hardest line to go. Um, I will go for... Geez, there's a couple of options, but I would probably just looking at their schedules again. Mm. I'd maybe pick Rory Laird. Um, he's got to be right up there. He's playing unbelievable footy. I said earlier in the year, he doesn't really excite me, and should have should have just shut the fuck up, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would probably pick um, old Laddie and Tooks, the other bloke. I would uh, I would go for. He's got Richmond this week. Very helpful. Doesn't really matter who he plays either. You know, he's just gonna he's gonna churn out big scores. So yeah. I'd be going those two. But there is a there's a ton. You could you could really could throw a blanket over a fucking lot of these blokes. You could say Neely. You could say Brayshaw if he has another like what do you have earlier in the year like one eighty something like that. If he oh, has yeah, like another yeah. one sixty type effort um, in one of those games, didn't get it. Actually, I don't think he got many at all. Marks on the weekend, but still scored like 120. So mm. yeah, he's pretty elite. My uh, lady for what it's worth is the form player in the comp right now, averaging 130 oh, yeah. in his last yeah. three. So hard to pick against him, especially with Adelaide's run home, but mm. I am going to pick against him. I'm going to go with Claytos, who is only a couple sure. of points behind him. Uh, really, like you said, it's a bit clutching at straws, trying to compare the differences between some of these dudes. But I think that he will, as the D's, run towards finals and they start to put some other hopefully big wins on the board. I reckon he'll be the catalyst behind a lot of their success and score a shitload of points in the process. Could it was, you know, forgetting J Mac exists, forgetting Jack Steele exists. Like it, oh, yeah, really, Steely. you could name so many Millsy. He's had, he's probably had the best year out of anyone. So yeah, arguably. 
Good luck. Cam Guthrie, luck. nice little smokey who's uh, hips tackling his way to big scores. You never know. But yeah, you're right. The midfield, we are a bit flush for choice. But yeah, I'll lock in uh, Claytos McOliver. I reckon in the ruck department, his teammate, Maxi Gorn, who's slated to come back this week. I think he's going to end the year with a bang. I can't remember what score he had. It was like a 130 or 140, maybe the week before he got hurt. And I know, like I said, that the D's will be looking to run into finals in form. They've got some tough games. Actually, most of the top four and top six kind of play each other, which should be pretty interesting down the stretch. But Gorney for me, I don't think Dars Cameron will challenge. Riley O'Brien is uh, flying the flag, though. He's been in pretty good form lately. He was probably the pick I should have gone for instead of good old Sean Ostasi. But do you reckon Gorney is the clear-cut favourite? For what it's worth, Grundy still seems like he's three to four weeks away. So uh, Darcy Cameron owners could be happy with that. But do you reckon there's any other rucks that appeal to you? Tim English, mate. Mm. He's easily. I would pick him over Gorney in a heartbeat. I reckon they're going to ease Gorney in, knowing that they've got a long way to go in the finals. They've still got 10 weeks left or whatever of footy. True. Whereas, you know, Timmy's young. I reckon Tim, he's got, he's scored over 95 in every single game. He's missed a bit of footy, but I reckon he'll play from here on out. He's the only option they'll have at Ruck. Um, he's going to dominate, I reckon. He'll outscore Gorney easily would be my guess. Yeah, because I think see. they will just ease Gorn in and they've got Luke Jackson. They, True, they don't yeah. need to push Gorney hard and that they'd be foolish to, honestly. Both those blokes coming back uh, this week. I don't think Jackson and Gorn, that is. I don't think the uh, dogs would play Jordan Sweet with Tim English, maybe no for way. a week. But, I mean, probably the purpose of resting him for, you know, most of this training block and for two weeks with his concussion is so he can hit the ground running to end the year. Dogs need to win as well. Like they're sitting in a pretty precarious position. We'll talk a bit about the bottom of the top eight soon, but yeah, I think I'd still side with Gorney, but you're right. Timmy, he's probably been the most well fantasy trustworthy Ruckman this year. Granted missed a couple of games, but yeah, loves to get around the ground and take some marks. Uh, it wouldn't be a sports by podcast if we didn't mention the fact that he's Dean Cox 2.0. So hard to not trust that bloke to score a shitload of points. Bloody oath. Gets a bit tricky in the forward line, though. There's a couple of mm. clear-cut contenders uh, based on form. Cogs is number one at the moment. Tim English, yep. like you said, has forward status. Dunkley's had probably the best year of all fantasy forwards. Libba's throwing his name into the hat recently as well. We've got the Bont. we got Will Brody. Uh, Baz Smith could come. But when does his suspension end? He's got at least a week left. Yeah, ne- next week. Well, oh, because he got two for the headbutt and then two for uh, being interested in bags of sugar. So mm. I, th- I want to say he comes back next week, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he's got at least one week. I, I don't remember, though, to be honest. Yeah, I'd enough. be guessing. Uh, who's the forward to close the fantasy season that you've got the most faith in scoring a load of points? It's, uh, it's going to be a giant mm-hmm. and it's either cogs or tim so i'm not sure which of those i might actually back timmy in i know i've just ragged him out and said wait one more week but when he's up and going he's a top 10 player in the fantasy player in the comp yeah, so true. there's every chance he'll be he's back and and back in the guts like it looks like 
Spike was playing him, Josh, and Timmy Taranto, and old mate um, Callum Ward pretty exclusively in the middle. So um, that probably pushes Whitfield out a little bit, which is bad for Whitfield owners, but I think Timmy might be the man. But Cogs is in a rich vein of form. And he kind of, Cogs is that bloke who can, doesn't matter who he's playing. If he feels very consistent. Whereas Timmy yeah, true. Taranto is a bit of a roller coaster. So one of those two, maybe Tim. I think I'll side with Cornelio. It's funny. There's been a lot of crew in the last couple of weeks that are like, man, Spike McVeigh, he might like get the GWS gig full time. You know, his team's looking great. I'm like, yeah, it's funny when you put like Taranto, Cornelio, Kelly on the ball and you put Whitfield to a halfback wing role that he's played for eight years of his career. It's amazing what these blokes can do when they're put near the footy. What the fuck was Leon Cameron thinking, mate? Yeah, he Trying to get too fancy. Just go back to basics, mate. Yep. Yep. Put your balls in the midfield. I think, yeah, I could see Timmy Tarrant having some big ones to end the year if he had a nice one four to five or something in the business. Um, but yeah, I'll side with Cogs. Ripper form at the moment. He's got the midfield minutes. He's tackling, he's kicking snags. He's, you know, getting a shitload of clearances. And it seems like he's back to the Stephen Cornelio before when was that 2020 that he was dropped he was mm, first year as skipper maybe mm, yeah mm. anyway i think yeah aside with cogs back in his form at the moment uh all right who's the bloke not in your team that you want before the season's out because oh, there's God. a couple for me tim english is probably number one uh but yeah i don't know if i can get him this week or next week i might have to do a little bit of uh finagling to get these rookies off first, but Jesus tempting just to trade out someone like Darce Cameron to Tim English wouldn't cost me a lot of money. Uh, and I do have a couple of those other rookies in the back line. Uh, sorry, on my bench that I trust to make a bit of bank and could be handy trade chips. So for me, it's probably Tim English is the one bloke who's not in my side that I want. Clayton Oliver is another one. Um, especially if I think he's going to score the most points for all midfielders, it'll probably equal the most points period to end of the year. But outside of those two, I'm actually pretty happy with how the large fries and Coke are traveling. So who's uh, on the outs that you want to bring in? Well, man, that's a really good question. I look, I would like to get rid of Dacos at some point. Mm. I think like, you know, like, time if will I'm come. being honest, time I don't think it's going to. Yeah. So I would love to get Hawley in back there when he's recovered. I still think Hawley's a, easily a top, six back and he might honestly be the best backman when he's flying um mm. so there's one option uh i feel like it's so hard after last week i feel like i need to move tim kelly on at some point <laughs> after 40 disposals um and i do think when he when nick nat's playing he's unlocked so maybe i don't need to touch him but i would like to get either rory laird Clayton or Jack Steele is probably Jack the one Steele's that I would really like. Um, he was the top two player last year. I still think, you know, average wise, he might be a top two player this year. Um, but really the, the big one is probably Gorney. Uh, I've got still got Rowan Marshall yeah, and Darcy Cameron at some point. I need to address that. So I'll, I'll probably take Gorney um, because he could actually probably come in right now, even though, uh, Roe Marsh is actually playing quite well lately. Um, I'm going to go with Gorney because I don't have him. And yeah, I've, you know, I haven't had him for years. So, yeah, I started the year with Grundy, 
can't remember exactly when I flicked Gorn in, but it might have honestly been when, oh, I can't have been when Grundy went out. Anyway, got Gorny in at some point as well. And then he went down, so I had to flick him. But I was glad to have Big Maximus residing in my side. Um, I think, yeah, because I don't, <laughs> after just saying, I think Gorn's going to score the most points as Ruckman. I think I'd almost prefer to have Tim in that spot and his Ruck forward status does allow you to make a couple other tweaks and moves. So that makes him a bit mm. more of a asset in my eyes, but hopefully uh, by the time we reach the fantasy finals in what, three weeks, then, uh, you know, I'll get rid of these couple of pesky rookies. We'll both have Gorny and English in our ruck spots and we're gearing up for a run to, uh, are you in any league finals or not really? Oh, I don't ever look. Honestly, I just, just however it falls, it falls. Uh, to be honest, if you just focus on your main one, that kind of does it. Obviously, we've yeah. got the Sports by Fry Draft League, but, uh, you know, I barely look at that either, to be it's honest. a bit different. Too busy. Got a lot on the plate. Um, okay, yeah. fantasy stuff aside, a couple of quick fire questions I want to hit you from a footy perspective because we've got lots of basketball to talk about. I don't think we've got uh, the free agency stuff. We did a bit of a preview last week but there's been some trades and been some shit that we need to talk about but who do you reckon is leading the Brownlow medal right now not who do you think is going to win because obviously projecting forward you'd think maybe even a bloke we're about to talk about is going to run home and win it but I think we're in for a pretty interesting count up until this point of the season because you had some monsters from Cripps and then he kind of petered off and had a couple of injured games and then Mm. there's been some quiet ones from Clayton Brayshaw's been around the mark and Lockie Neal all season. I think those four are the real like main threats, but who do you reckon if you had to predict, what are we, 16 rounds into the AFL season, who do you reckon is leading the count at the moment? Wow, that's a bloody hard question. Mm. I might take, uh, I reckon Cal Mills might be. Leading it? Maybe. No one's stealing votes off him. Like, really? They've had a pretty good year. In their wins, he's been phenomenal. Like, you remember that that win that they had where he went back and mm. sort of was instrumental in changing the game. He might have got less touches because of it. I reckon it might be Cal Mills or, you know, like a sneaky bloke. Like, Tukey Miller's not really been talked about, but he's going to poll in so many games. Same with Rory Laird. So, true. Look, it's probably Clayton, but I reckon maybe it might be Cal Mills, honestly. I think you're right on the Clayton call, but speaking of no one stealing votes from him, I think Andy Brayshaw, sorry, let me rephrase. I think Andy Brayshaw will be leading it, but I think Clayton will probably projecting forward win it. I put money in the preseason on Clayton and Jack Steele to win. So Steely one hasn't really come off, but Clayton, I still got hope in, but. Yeah, Andy Brayshaw, you know, Sarong will pick up a couple of votes here and there. There's been blokes that have kicked bags in some random games who will get a couple of votes. Fifey hasn't exactly fired since he's returned to the lineup. So if you ask me, I reckon Andy Brayshaw, he'll probably get another couple of votes on the weekend. He will do in games, even the ones, some of the ones we've lost, I reckon he'll get one or two here or there. So yeah, Andy Brayshaw, come on. I don't hate it. He'd be on my list, that's for sure. Looking at the bottom of the top eight. So we've got, at the moment, Richmond, Sydney, and St. Kilda, all tied on nine wins and 36 points. Uh, one game behind them, you've got the Dogs in 10th place. 
And then a game behind them, we got Gold Coast and Port. Do you reckon Gold Coast and Port are out of it now? I mean, two wins from eight. There's seven games left. They're almost going to have to run the slate, you'd think, because they probably play a lot of each other as well. Do you reckon you can draw a line through either of them? I reckon you can draw a line from 10th down, honestly. Oh, yeah? Doggies as well, I reckon. I think they're done. I think Port's done. I think as much as I would love to see Gold Coast make it, mm. I don't. I can't see them jumping over some of these other teams. Um, and I reckon the Dogs just are all at sea this year. And honestly, if I was the Dogs, I would think about firing Bebo. I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, kind of Golden State Mark Jackson type of thing. You know, where the fuck is Steve Kerr? You could bring in Alistair Clarkson. He'd probably what? be like, oh fuck yeah, I'll walk into Bont and Baz Smith and Norton and you know, like bring him in. That's what I would genuinely look at doing if I was them. I don't hate that call. I I don't reckon the Bulldogs could do it. I don't reckon they'd have the balls to fire Bevo. No, they would winning a flag yeah. with them taking them to the Grandy last year. But you make a bit of make a bit of sense there. I think. Sydney sitting in eighth spot and Richmond in seventh. We've both been obviously on different uh, sides of the coin about which team's better and which team's got a better chance to contend. But I think the Swans could be in trouble. They've got the dogs Mm. on the Friday night. And if they drop that game, those two teams, Sydney and the Western Bulldogs, are then pretty much tied. The dogs have a real rough stretch compared to the Swans home. But yeah, Sydney's dropped some fucking stinkers the last month or so. Mm. Like they lost to, who did they lose to on the weekend? Essendon? Yep. Uh, lost to Port Adelaide from memory not that long ago either. Mm. Anyway. No, I'm getting a bit hazy. Yeah. Regardless, I think it's been, a, the Swans, been a big few weeks, mate. Yeah, you're not wrong. The Swans are a team that I was really high on, obviously, uh, earlier in the season. But yeah, you can't be losing to the likes of Port Adelaide and Essendon who are, you know, Port you can kind of get that one, but yeah, they dropped some real winnable games, kind of like what the Gold Coast Suns have done, really. Like you said, it'd be nice to see them contend, but I think they're probably too far out of it now. Good to see Stewie Jew signing a two-year extension, though. I think he's done yeah. enough to keep his gig. So, yeah, if I, I reckon we're almost locked in with the top eight as it stands right now. But if, because I don't think Richmond will falter, I think Collingwood, Carlton, for like all those other teams above them are going to be fine. But if Sydney starts, Saints? yeah, I was going to say, if Sydney starts to slip, we might see St Kilda climb up. But again, like the dogs, they've got a really tough run home. I mean, who doesn't? But I've never, I've been in and out on the dogs all year. I thought they were my uh, flag prediction at the start of the season. Then I went really out on them saying their defense is shot and they keep conceding big bags of goals. But, you know, they could just, they seem to, when they play finals or when they reach this pointy end of the year, they seem to hit their straps at the right time. So mm. you never know. They might do the same thing again and uh, reinstill faith. But Saints, I can't see it happening. I have more faith in the Bulldogs who are a game behind. I have more faith in them winning a couple of extra contests and cracking the eight. The, but The Dogs run is so hard though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I think, so yeah, hard. I think we're actually set. I think the team's in the top eight now. St Kilda maybe they surprised by beating Carlton but I've been very wishy-washy on them all year as well so I expect uh, the top eight as it stands to be the top eight at the end of the year okay I, I could see the Swans and the Saints switching mm. personally but I think from memory other than that 
they play in the last game of the year as well, Sydney and St Kilda. So that might be for a final spot. That'd be cool. Bloody hell. But you you know what? There's always one team somewhere in this little mix that goes on a real run every year. So it could be could be Gold Coast. But prayers up to Gold Coast. I hope it is. But if we're just reading it as it lies right now, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, last footy one. First versus second again on Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. Melbourne versus Geelong down at GMHBA. Who gets the win? Yeah, Obviously, really? yeah, these two have had some, I've double checked, but these two have had some pretty good clashes in recent times. I remember Gorney kicked the goal after the siren to uh, give them the minor premiership last year. They then obviously met in the prelim where a lot of the Geelong players were apparently sick, but Melbourne just fucking floored them. So do you reckon Geelong get some revenge or the D's keep on trucking? Well, danger's back in. Mm. If it if it is GMHBR, I think they win. It is. Yeah, it is. The, the Cats win then. There you go. I Answer agree. the question. Yeah, Keep I simple. agree. I think that they will win. Uh, it's $1.90, both of them at the moment. Like, it's dead even on the betting wow. market. So, yeah, it should be a ripper game. All right. Let's get into free agency talk and let's start with uh, your boys because we'll go through a couple of the major trades and we'll go through a couple of the big signings, but there wasn't too many deals that were struck that I was like, oh, that was a surprise. There were a couple of role players mm. that moved around that I think will have ripple effects throughout the league, but like most of the big names re-signed for big money. But the Denver Nuggets and the Cleveland Cavaliers both made some moves that I think we as Cavs and Nuggets fans respectively are pretty happy about. Yeah. Yep. Very happy. Nuggs picked up. Well, they moved on from Monte Morris and Will Barton, which is, Mm. look, I think Monte probably needed to move. He needed to step out of the shadow. He knew he was going to be a backup and even maybe like Bones Highland might've pushed him down. So good on him. Let, let, let a peacock fly, move on from Will. Got KCP. So he's a starting two, three and D exactly what we needed. I think that the Nuggets, have had a very clear MO all off season and it's bring in defense. They yeah. brought in KCP Andy Smith, but you know, he was just throwing, they brought in Christian Brown from Kansas, like great defender, even what's his name. I think it's something Watson. They're like, Adrian Watson. yeah, yeah. He's going to sit right down. He's a defensive three. They brought in Bruce Brown a couple of days ago, which is probably the, the big one for me. Um, they needed to shore up that two spot and they did that. Um, and they needed a backup big DeAndre Jordan. You know, that's a bit of a, whatever I expect him to not play much, but I think the nuggets got better. Um, and they, you know, have spent money, which is good. You never know with the Cronkies. So I'm feeling good about where Denver's at. I think this might be the best nuggets team of the Jokic era, to be honest. Yeah. Fair. If they've got, Speaking of the MVP, dual MVP, starting at centre. The DeAndre Jordan signing, you're a bit like, whatever. The bloke will probably play 10, 15 minutes. He's probably there to get you more through the regular season than anything. But I agree with you. I yeah. think the, um, the Bruce Brown signing's a good one. Gives you a bit of uh, guard defensive help. You could see a closing lineup that includes Jamal Brown or KCP, for that matter. And then Gordon, a healthy, hopefully... Mike Porter Jr. and you throw in Nick Yoke at center. That's a true fucking contender. Yeah, well, that's the starting lineup for sure. 
and mm. yeah, should stay that way. I actually wouldn't expect DeAndre to play much. I think Najee yeah. will probably be the backup five. Bit undersized, but anyway. The Nuggets, I'm happy with it. It was a, a B-plus offseason, I'd say. Yeah, you know what? I'd probably give a pretty similar grade to the Cavs. Still a bit TBC on what's going on with Colin Sexton. There's uh, reports mm. out there that uh, Dallas approached them about a sign-and-trade deal, but the stuff that was coming back to Cleveland, they were like, mm, no, thanks. They, were, they haven't said what it was, but apparently whatever Dallas was offering, they didn't think was good enough to entertain that idea. Uh, re-signed Darius for the five-year max or rookie max. I'm really stoked that they brought back Ricky Rubio as well because before he went down, I think that having that two guards that can kind of run the show, Ricky was shooting fucking stupid percentages from three, which I don't expect him to replicate. But just to be able to have two good floor generals with that young budding um, front court with the likes of Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, like dudes that can set the table really well. I was pretty chuffed about. And then they've actually got a couple of veterans, Raul Neto, I'm like, whatever, cool. Robin Lopez, cool. But, you know, you need to run out a roster of 15. So I'd much rather than playing those dudes who are veterans in the league that have been around for a while rather than the, you know, Brandon Goodwins of the world or some of the other randoms that we've seen running around for the Cavs in recent years. I'd feel a bit more safe with those other dudes on the roster. And if you're going to make a push to be a regular playoff team, I don't hate the idea of Lopez playing a bit of that similar DeAndre Jordan role and just chewing up a few minutes, being a bit of a pro. Raul Neto might not get much court time, but yeah, B-plus is probably what I'd give the Cavs off-season as well. I was stoked with the draft picks they made, but I don't even know how many of them will play early on. So good times for the Cavs, if you ask me. Yeah, okay. I'll take that. I, I would have liked to see them um, err on the side of of a bit of youth, to be honest. Like, But you're right. Do need to feel... Or not youth, but maybe like... High upside some of those, dude. Those blokes who are floating around who've never really got the chance or never come out of their shell, but maybe could still, like 24, 25. I can't actually think of an example right now, but I wouldn't have mind did see them go down that route a little bit because you guys have still got a lot of time um, to figure it Fair. out. Um, and, you know, if you look at the, some of the teams ahead of you, like, do you think you'll beat the Warriors this year? Probably not. Do you think you'll beat like, even the Nuggets or the, well, whoever gets KD, maybe the Suns? Like, I, would, I don't think you guys are right in the, t the window yet. So I, I wouldn't have minded you guys to go a little bit more risky um, given you've got the time, but I definitely hear what you're saying. I'll give you guys a B. Hey, I'll so. take a B for, for a long yeah. period of time. It's been a, a D plus C minus top of off season for the Cavs apart from the one time LeBron James returned. So hey, yeah, I'll take a B. Yeah. Before we move on to the rest of the league, where do you sit on the Cavs potentially bringing Colin Sexton back? Cause like I said, there are some teams like Dallas who are interested and you and I have had uh, not even differing opinions, but I'd like to think that we're somewhat smart when it comes to talking about basketball. And it seems like the Cavs actually almost benefited from him missing a serious chunk of time this year. Has been a bit of a ball stopper in years past, but still a pretty underrated scorer. So for the right price, obviously, I think most Cavs fans want to see him return. But if they could fetch something, or even if it was another first-round pick, 
in the draft? Do you reckon that they should ditch him or just re-sign him? Uh, it's a really, it's actually a hard one to answer. Um, I reckon you guys, maybe this year was probably the last chance to bring in a high first round pick or actually mm. even any, like, I don't know if there's much value in you guys getting that from here on out. Uh, you He's know, 23 always, for what it's worth. Just had a little Yeah, bit they're always up. valuable, the picks. Um, but you would, I'd be hesitant to have to wait the three or four years for a number one or a first rounder to come through. So mm. I don't know if I'd go that route. Um, potentially, yeah, I don't have a good answer. If there was someone like a, well, just like a Colin Sexton, but a, not Colin Sexton, same sort of age profile that you could yeah. swap him for. I would go for it. I, I I don't know. Talent's talent. Scoring, scoring. He might stop the ball right now, but in two years he might grow. He's a he's a kid. He's twenty three or four. So I I would bring him back if if yeah. it were me. Um, without having looked at the rest of the league and having all the names in front of me, I would probably lean that way. And I think, like you said, there's probably not much benefit to them getting future assets like they want to probably build with this core and the reason he took a lot of those shots and was kind of seemed like a bit of a ball hungry dude is because we didn't really have a lot of other options like it was him and mm. jetty osman and kevin love chucking a whammy that were really like the team he was surrounded with early in his career darius garland's taken a leap this year now we've got evan mobley who's another stud but not exactly a primary scorer so i agree i for the right price i want to see him come back if it's like a four-year, $100 million deal, then I'd have a bit of pessimism. But I don't think he's going to fetch that much, to be honest. I think... You don't reckon? Probably, he might, but 25 annually is a lot. Well, Brunson's getting what? 25? Yeah, but I'd, I'd feel better paying Jalen Brunson 25 than Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton, like, was a 20... Didn't he, like, get... Wasn't he in, like, the top 10 in scoring in the league before he went down... Two years or whenever it was. Yeah, he's probably averaged 20 to 22 points in the last two seasons combined. Like if you take his 10 to 15 games from last year. But yeah, maybe I am being a bit harsh, but yeah, yeah 25 mil would yeah. probably scare me off. But yeah, I want to, I want to see him run it back regardless. If, if you got the cap space, I, would, I think 25 mil is probably the right number. Yeah, Four okay. years, 100 million. I think that's pretty fair personally without that's having what... a checkbook, uh, you know, balance book in front of me again. Yeah, yeah. That's what they signed uh, Jared Allen to last off season. So, you know, would you say that Jared Allen or Colin Sexton's more valuable? They obviously bring different things to the table, but yeah, maybe I am just being a bit harsh. Yeah. A bit more scoring for you guys might go a long bloody way. It's true. A bit of pressure off Darius and Mobley and Jared Allen's not scoring. So yeah, sometimes scoring is the hardest thing to find in the league. So blokes that can create their own shot are pretty, pretty valuable. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, some of these teams we probably won't need to talk about, but I'm just going to whiz through the 30 and the transactions that have taken place. So do we need to talk about DeJounte Murray to the Hawks, starting with Atlanta? Because the only signing they've made this offseason is Aaron Holiday on a one-year deal at this point. Don't hate that. No, that's yeah. fine. Move on. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to see if they swing for the fences and make another move because they've got, you know, like you could do a three for one and a couple of picks type of deal, but they almost did that 
with DeJounte Murray. Anyway, yeah, moving on from the Hawks. Boston Celtics, uh, they got Malcolm Brogdon in a trade. Danilo Gallinari might be going there. Um, there was someone else that they signed recently. Or that they might they be lost the Tice. They did. He was in the trade from memory. Um, right. But, but yeah, if, I love if healthy, there. I love the Brogdon fit as well. Yeah, go. Four's yep. yours. Oh, that's about it, to be honest. I just think it fits really well. Um, they probably needed a ball handler creator. They, mm. I thought they lacked that a little bit. Um, and he's just super efficient. You know, he's a 90-50-40 guy, 50-40-90 guy. So you, that's infinitely valuable at any point. If you're in the playoffs, you're like, put him out there, you can't foul him, that sort of thing. And uh, I love Brogdon. I really like him. His health has been the big detractor in years past. So if he can stay on the court, then it could be a, a fantastic move for the Celts. Mm. Don't want to spend too much time talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Cause honestly, it no. seems like a mess despite all this trade buzz, I wouldn't be surprised if they just ran it back or opening night. We see Kyrie and Kevin Durant still there and they're trying to find a trade piece or something, but uh, they signed TJ Warren the other day. Just move on. Could be something. Charlotte Hornets have only re-signed uh, Cody Martin. And they rescinded their offer for Miles Bridges, who, oh, at this rate, I'll be honest, I'd be surprised if he's on a roster next year. Yeah. He's cost himself yeah. a lot of money and could be pretty fucked. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if we need to dive into that whole scenario, nah. but that's that really hurts Charlotte and what they were building. Mm-hmm. I agree. They'd be spewing. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, they re-signed Zach Levine for five years. Big amount of dough. Don't hate it. If you've got the bloke that wants to be there, just pay for him and then you can figure it out later. Drummond, Dragic, and Derek Jones Jr. with the other deals that they've struck so far as well. Is there any chance of them now being a KD? Very likely. They're a team that could I they, should Could be they use that to. contract or DeMar for KD? Like, I would I just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I don't think now that Levine signed it, it's like the rule that he can't be traded until the 15th of Jan or for a couple of months. You know, the good old... 2k trade signing deal where you're trying to facilitate the deals hmm. manage your new roster and then you're like ah oh, this bloke can't be traded so i don't think levine could be in the deal but you know they could flip to rosen and kobe white they've got a couple of other young dudes maybe caruso yeah. or just sumu Some new. yeah sumu anyway uh, made their bench a bit better and it'll be interesting to see what they produce Cavs, we've gone through dallas re-signed uh Theo Pinson, huge, huge for the Mavs. But the big one was getting JaVale McGee for three years, 20 million at this stage, which I actually don't hate. I think he could be the five that plays next to Christian Wood at the four. I don't expect him to be, you know, a huge needle mover, but he looked pretty good when he was playing for Phoenix at times last year. And he could be a big lob threat with uh, Luca steering the show. Hmm. Yeah, don't know what to make of the Mavs offseason yet. I think that's a real have to wait for the dust to settle mm. thing. I didn't think of them as lacking big men, but anyway. Yeah, well, who else they got? Dwight Powell. They traded out Boban in that uh, Christian Wood deal. Kleber? Kleber's still there, I think, yeah. But Batans. Isn't Batans on the Pretty Wizards? Pretty sure he's been at the... Oh, you know what? Uh, I think he was on the Wizards and now he's at... Yeah, now I'm second-guessing it as well. Um, Detroit continues to be the place that blokes try to revive their career. They signed Marvin Bagley to a three-year extension. They agreed to a two-year deal with Kevin Knox as well, who was once upon a top 10 pick. 
Uh, yeah. I don't know if either of them, again, are going to move the needle a lot or if it's going to do tons. But if you've got those young dudes, you re-sign them, you try and let them build. Because who knows, Bagley might turn into a bit of a, not LaMarcus Aldridge, that's a huge call, but, you know, like a shittier version of him. Like he might emerge as that type of yeah. player. Could see it happen. Mate, anything can happen. These are young kids, like, they, mm. and they've both shown flashes at different points. So, like, they could be. They just need the right tutelage. I'd just be careful if I was the Pistons about bringing in too many shitty people. you got to get some good veterans. Yeah. But anyway, very good. Uh, Golden State Warriors, they re-signed Kevon Looney and signed Dante DiVincenzo. So that was kind of a swap out for Gary Payton, who I guess we'll talk about later. But they didn't make any major moves. The Rockets re-signed Jay Sean Tate, who I know you were a big fan of and was hoping could become a Denver Nugget, but did not mm. happen. Uh, Pacers, they signed Jalen Smith. Yeah, sick. Clippers, John no, Wall's that's obviously. Good. That's a good re-signing, I reckon. Yeah. Definitely. He's going to be a good player. Yeah. I still have my doubts, but I mean, if, similar to what we're talking about with the Bagley and Knox thing, if you've got a young dude, a two-year deal is not going to hamstring you a shitload, so you may as well roll the dice. Mm. Yep. Uh, Clippers, John Wall is a big get. They re-signed Zubach to an extension. Got Nick Batum to return as well. Where do you rank the Clippers after their offseason? Do you think that they could challenge for the West? They got better and they will get better having their two best players back playing. Mm. Um, could they challenge for the West? Yeah, I'd put Denver above them, but sure, maybe. Kawhi yeah, Leonard's a fucking top 20 player of all time. So Yeah, it depends on the health of their two big dogs in Kawhi and Paul George, right? Yeah. Uh, Lakers... They re-signed a lot of clutch clients. Uh, one, Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, Troy Brown. Today they announced that they're re-signing or bringing back Thomas Bryant as well. Uh, and Lonnie Walker landed there, but I don't think any of those moves are really going to help them move further up the uh, standings. It'll probably need a trade or something for them to make some waves. Memphis kept Tyus Jones and signed Jar Morant to an extension. They'll still be good. Victor returned to the Miami Heat with Dwayne Dedman. I think, again, they're probably a trade team. Bucks brought a lot of their uh, roster back as well. They re-signed Bobby Portis to a bigger contract. Javon Carter, Wes Matthews, Serge Barker all signed small deals. And Joe Ingles could be an underrated get for them if he's healthy. Mm. Yep. Big fan of Slow Mojo. Uh, yep. Timberwolves. Kyle Anderson signed for two years. Carl Anthony Town signed for four years. Bryn Forbes and Torian Prince agreed to deals, but obviously the big move that they made was trading for Rudy Gobert, which I don't think you and I have talked about on the pod specifically, right? Don't remember it, but boy, Tim Tim Conley goes there and makes a fucking splash, doesn't he? Big move, eh? Yeah. Give us your, your 30 seconds on that trade, because personally I think... They essentially gave up seven first-rounders when you look at the swaps and the players and the picks that they gave, mm -hmm. which is a fucking lot. And I mm. I don't love it. I think it makes them better slightly. But I think Anthony Edwards growing and like his ceiling will dictate how far they go. So I don't know if it's the right move for the T-Wolves. And I wouldn't be shocked me if two years from now, 18 months from now, Cap says he wants out. Not that that's a huge loss. Yeah, I don't really love it for the Timberwolves. Could uh, it could either be the biggest success in the last twenty years trade wise, mm -hmm. or it could be a 
total bust. And like, I, I know that's not saying much, but Cat is pretty versatile. He can do a lot. He can play from the outside. So it might work and might allow them to have some really interesting staggered lineups. Um, True. I agree. And Edwards is kind of the, the key there. Um, don't like losing Pat Bev, but they were a pretty good defensive side. Like bringing Torian Prince. I don't know. It's um, it's a tricky one. I think it maybe will weirdly work, but it's it's it really is just a watch, isn't it? You can't. Yeah. No one could predict how that's going to go. I don't know. And I think a lot of people expected Utah to trade one or maybe both. Donovan might still be on the move. Doesn't seem like that's at the forefront of their minds. But we expected one of those all stars to leave. Would have lost a lot of money uh, if you had to give me odds on Minnesota being the landing spot for Gobert. But mm. hey, watch your space. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans re-signed Zion for five years. The Knicks, obviously, they got Jalen Brunson. And they might be in a bit of trouble, apparently, because they agreed to that deal mm. before Brunson even talked to Dallas. So the league's looking into that. But brought a couple of big dudes in as well. They re-signed Mitch Robinson for about $15 million annually. And got Isaiah Hartenstein from formerly the Clippers and the Cavs, which I don't think moves the needle a ton. But I actually don't hate those small tweaks and moves for the Knicks. I don't think it makes them a playoff threat, but they could be in the playing mix. And they they made the top six the year they were in the playoffs against Atlanta, right? Uh, yeah, from memory, that was the 4-5 matchup. So I think, okay. yeah, the Knicks yep. are probably destined to be a bottom playoff seed contender, but I don't think they're going to make a shitload of noise. Uh, OKC, probably also not going to make a shitload of noise. Resigned Lou Dort for five years, 87 mil. Uh, for what it's yep. worth, tangent, I watched Chet Holmgren today in the Summer League. Mm. Mm. I'm already convinced he's going to be a star. I was going into it, but he was hitting like Dirk step backs. He was bringing the ball up the court and doing he had like a really good move that he pulled two or three times as the big was just backpedaling and he was bringing up the court just to a behind the back crossover open three. I think he's going to cause a lot of big men and a lot of teams uh, grief at the next level. Yeah. It's summer league. Yeah. Yeah. Te- uh, temper expectations. Uh, Orlando magic. They got Gary Harris and Mo Bamba back for two years each. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, the 76ers continue to rebuild the 2017 Houston Rockets by signing PJ Tucker and Daniel House. Not bad PJ, news. Yeah, PJ Tucker signing a three-year deal already at the age of 37, though. Don't know what you're going to get from him, but Shit. you know he's he's a good defender and a corner shooter, so yeah. way to make some money. Mm. Uh, Damian Lee and Bismack Biombo. Josh Kogi as well signed with the Suns. So they didn't get worse, probably didn't get tons better. Devin Booker signed a four-year extension too. Nearly done. We're getting there. Uh, Anthony Simons re-signed. Yusuf Nurkic re-signed. Gary Payton, the second, went to Portland. Uh, do you like that for the Blazers? Yeah, yeah good get. Um, not, nothing to write home about. Yeah. Uh, Malik Monk is the only relevant signing really for the Kings, who actually do. Like, I like that move. I think we must have spoken about that or I spoke about it on another pod. I think he could be a bit of like a six-man heat check guy uh, for yeah. Sacramento. Gorgie Jeng going to the Spurs. Enjoy the bottom of the lottery. Uh, Toronto, they got Thaddeus Young. They got Otto Porter Jr. as well. Mm, I like uh, Chris, that. Chris Boucher returned. So I expect them to push 
challenge for a top four spot out east. Wouldn't shock me, especially if Scotty Barnes keeps getting better. Pascal, Fred Van Vliet. Yep. That could be an interesting, sneaky Kevin Durant landing spot. Like they've got the things to entertain a deal, to be honest. I don't think he'd want to move up north of the border, but don't rule it out. Yep. Uh, Utah, they did nothing. Uh, they, the big thing they did was a trade. Do you reckon now that they've got all these assets that they should keep Donny and try and build around him? Or would you just go full bottom of the barrel tank mode, trade Donovan Mitchell and try and get as much as you got in the Rudy Gobert transaction from someone like the New York Knicks? Well, look, there's no reason they can't trade some of those picks. You know, we need to remember that those draft picks don't equal draft players being drafted to yeah, the yeah. Jazz. So um, there's definitely a chance that they move a couple of them to add someone about Donnie's age. Um, but I think without Quinn Snyder, that's just not ideal. So yeah. I look, I probably would go full rebuild. Bit, bit, bit. What are you going to do? I don't know. That's, Depends on who comes calling still for Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. Their bloke that they promoted as head coach didn't realize he was a Spurs assistant for like 11 years, they reckon, or he spent 11 years with the organization. And he's only 34. So I'm like, fuck, he must have wow. like done some shit in his time. I think he spent yeah. last year with Boston as their like lead assistant. But I'm like, oh, watch this space. Youngest coach in the league now. So you know, maybe they are just going to try and start at the bottom. And with Will Hardy from memory, I think's his name. Maybe he'll try and build sure. a new culture and they'll uh, not include Donovan Mitchell in it. Last one, the Washington Wizards, like we said, re-signed Beal for a shitload of cash. DeLon Wright signed for two years and they got Will Barton and Monte in the trade as well. So probably destined to finish 10th or 11th in the West again, and the East again. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they probably got better. Yeah. And I think a lot of the year last year, they obviously didn't have Beal. So you throw him mm. in with like Kyle Kuzma. They got Chris Dupps now. Like they could finish seventh or eighth. It wouldn't shock me, but never know. Never yeah. know. All right. I don't think there'll be much basketball stuff to talk about in the coming weeks, other than what's going on in the summer league. Uh, so let's get into everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Because uh, for the first time in Do a you long use time, the sports by Fry stat. Oh, no, I didn't have one in the chamber today. That's completely gone over my head. But North Gee. Melbourne, hang on. Oh, no, wait for it. North Melbourne, you know how I said that they set the record for the most losses consecutively by 40-plus uh, points? Yeah. This week, they set a new unwanted record. They now have 11 straight losses by 47 or more. And the only other teams wow. that were in the mix at like five or six such games. I think West Coast, actually, they might have had this year like six or seven losses of a similar margin. But it was right. like the expansion giants, the 1906 Collingwood Vampires, and like all this shit. So yeah, North is in a fucking Jeez. world of hurt. Uh, but now yep. that we've got everyone's second favorite bit out of the way, for the first time in a long time, I have the number one pick in a Mount Rushmore draft because you beat me in pretty comprehensive fashion. I went in underprepared. I went in cocky into last week's draft and it showed because uh, Steve mm. Kerr ended up being my third pick, but we're not here to talk about last week. We're here to talk about this week. And today we're going to draft all-time hard nuts from the AFL, the hardest blokes to ever go at it. Uh, how many blokes roughly do you have on your list? I got nine. I could have gone more, but, you know, I just didn't 
folder because there's a lot of dudes. As, yeah, as I was digging through the rosters and these random lists and things on uh, Google, I was like. I've never even heard of that bloke. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, he was a hard nut in the 70s or the 60s. I don't think I can include him. So I got 10. There's a lot of guys as well on these lists that you're like, oh, they're tough, but they're not known as like hard nuts. Like mm. they're silky or, you know. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. All right. Um, I'm not yeah. going uh, to waste any time here. While uh, we were waiting for half this podcast to download and convert to video and audio. Had a quick look at the teams and we saw that there's a couple of ins for the Geelong Melbourne game. One of them is Joel Selwood, who I am taking with the number one pick as the hard nut, the, the hard nut in the AFL. I think you could say that there were maybe some other blokes who vie for that label, but I think of our generation, he's easily the toughest player from memory. He's won the, most courageous award a shitload of times, which I didn't even know was a thing until he started winning it. So Joel Selwood's yeah. off the board. Well, that's a good start. He was um, sitting at fifth in mine. So he could Ooh. have gone a bit later, um, just FYI. But I feel like our list is going to be very different. So um, I think I took this bloke in my last AFL one um, because he's just about as tough as they come. Um career nearly ended a lot of times and I think eventually did end because he just went in too hard, um, threw his body around, had a plenty of body to, to throw around, but John O'Brown was as hard as they come. Um, yep. Lee Matthews had to tell him to reel it in. And this fucking Lee Matthews, one of the, another one of the hardest blokes ever. I was going to say, he might mate. get mentioned later as well. Yeah. So I'm picking John O'Brown with my number one spot and he, I'm very happy. With that, yeah, yeah. Uh, John O'Brown's third on my list. So interesting. Not unhappy go. that I'm going to get one and two to start the draft. I mean, okay, it's tough when you try to label like hard nuts. You think of like someone putting their head over the footy, extracting it, like two other dudes banging off them, right? But there are mm. other dudes who probably appear on this list who might be more like. Uh, can't even think of the right way to word it, but like fierce competitors or like physically imposing. John O'Brown's a good example. But if you talk about like tough guys in the AFL, as in like the physically toughest bloke to go for the footy, someone you you see them coming at you like, oh, fuck, shit, I'm pulling out of this contest. Glenn yeah. Archer might be number one. So yeah. high up on the list, probably for both of us. Uh, they probably coined the shin bonus spirit phrase let's be honest it was probably a big part mm. of his uh physicality so he's my second pick today 15 i think it was something like 15 time most courageous player that's fucking in the absurd AFL. yeah so fair enough he was third on mine so i get my two top picks which is good um and then you get yours so it's funny how different our lists look um now the bloke who would have absolutely never shirked it probably one of the best leaders in afl history Maybe the oh. best. I don't know. But number two, the the fearless captain of the great one of the greatest dynasties of of AFL or the modern AFL era, Lukey Hodge is going to mind. Never hesitated to go back with a flight. Yeah. Fuck some people up in his time. Did. Yeah. Hodgey, Hodgey, I'm very happy with getting him at two. You think about tough Luke Hodge moments, like <laughs> thinking like nearly his last Hawthorne game. He like bumped Chad Wingard 
against the goalpost, and everyone was like, oh, oh. Jesus. And yeah, just like smack, like did not pull out. Everyone was like, oh, you can't, you can't be doing yeah. that. And they're like, well, like, don't get in fucking Hodgie's way. Yeah, that's it. Um, oh, okay. Hodgie was my fourth. So my top four off the board. And there's a couple of different routes I could go down here. Uh, but I think... Oh, come on, Fry, make a fucking pick. Uh, Tricky. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn between similar to what I poorly tried to explain before. Like this bloke might not be viewed as one of the toughest guys in the AFL, but was yeah pretty physically imposing during his mm. time. Uh, got a norm. I think he won yeah. two flags for two different teams. Yeah. I'm yep. going to pick Byron Pickett. Who he was scary. Was scary on He's the footy pro- field. Probably the scariest bloke to play on the footy field. And like, like, could you imagine getting mixed by Big Bar and Pickett? They'd put no you way. to sleep just because you would be, no. yeah, nah. So yeah, Byron, Byron Pickett's my okay. third pick. Well done. He was um, number seven for me. So we're starting to get to some pretty interesting picks. Hmm. Um, so this is pick three, right? Yep. So you got two left. Yep. Okay. So I've got number one's gone, number two's gone, number three and five are gone. I can pick my number four pick, mm. which I'm going to very happily do. Um, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, honestly. Three-time premiership captain, Michael Voss. Mm. Yeah. Welcome to the top. Welcome to the club. Would fuck you up. Would also just receive a hit. Pretty sure. Didn't he like, do you remember that goal? I think it was in the granny. Might have been against Scotty the Pies. When he, yeah, you got Scotty Burns and then just went... <laughs> Anyway, and and the other thing about these these blokes is like, if you could give someone a good spray after it as well, and I feel like Vossi was probably as good as they come when it comes to to like letting you know he got you. So yeah, that's a good call, Vossi. Welcome to the club. Uh, I'm pretty happy. There's three good quartets. That's uh, three good quartets. Three good trios. Sorry, mm. let me start that whole fucking sentence again. Two good trios been drafted by us so far. <laughs> so, just did the maths in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's five Three good, good quintets going on right now. Uh, so, yeah, good. I'm a bit, a bit, uh, a bit nervous making this selection because I could go down a number of different routes. Uh, mm. Again, there's some that might toe the line between being the toughest bloke or the most physically imposing or something of the sorts. Uh, Oh, I think there's a couple of active players who are floating through my mind. There's a couple of old retired dudes as well who are viewed as some of the most lethal competitors and physically toughest cunts out there. And I think this bloke just appeared on a lot of people's lists we obviously didn't get the pleasure to watch a shitload of his footy. We know him more as a coach and an analyst, but by all reports, Lee Matthews is one of the greatest players to play the game and one of the toughest. So I think I'm going to round my draft out with him because I can't be unhappy. There's a lot of blokes that given me a bit of pause, uh, some of which I'll name in a minute after you've picked yours, but I'm going for the bloke whose nickname is lethal to close out my Mount Rushmore. 
Yeah, well done. I, I sort of steered away from those older guys because I'll be honest, I like did not see them play. Yeah. And they played in a different era. Like you almost feel like they're not playing the same game, <laughs> to be honest. Like, well, like Jeremy Brown was a name that popped up quite regularly. His nickname's Captain right. Blood. So I'm like, well, he's pretty tough. But you're right. It was a it was a different type of football almost. Yeah. So anyway, I, I did steer away from that era as much as possible. Okay. Well, I've got two West Coast blokes that I'm tossing up between. Honestly, the rest have been picked. Um, I, I didn't want to pick James Hurd, although Glenn Archer said James Hurd's the toughest player he's ever played against. Oh, um, there you go. Didn't know that. And, and he sort of explained it by saying, like, I'm known as being tough, but it's only because I'm no good at the other stuff in footy. Mm. Whereas Hurdy's the toughest bloke, but he's also probably the, the best, most skilled player in history. So he kind of gets looked at that way. So yep. I did. He's on my list and like I'm tempted to pick him because he looks so fucking good on a, on a <laughs> graphic. But graphic. I also think people would be like, what the fuck? Like, are you joking me, mate? But apparently he got really injured and still came back from it. I don't really remember that, but like, yeah, I feel like he might no, have no, had no. like a career ender, but he came back. Like a ruptured anyway, kidney or something? I did want to pick Hurdy. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll look into it later. All right. Well, this bloke popped straight to mind when we came up with this idea. Um, and he sort of moved down as I filled it out and thought about mm-hmm. it more, but I'm, I'm still going to go him because I think he is genuinely one of the absolute unequivocal Toughest players to ever play the game. Stupid because of it, he only like played 180 games. You know, um, so I was going to pick. Wusher was actually number six. Johnny Walsh. Oh, I didn't have him on my list. I like that. Yeah, good call. Yeah, and I, I did like that. Um, but I'm going to go a bit more modern, and probably more as a bloke who's literally just known for being a hard nut. And I'm going to go Bowie Waters. Like, there's a bloke who should have been a captain of West Coast, should have been a, in fact, I think he might have been a vice, but should have been a 250 gamer, ends up playing like 108 games or some bullshit. Yeah. Because he just refused to shirk it at any moment. Like, him and Joel Selwood are the two blokes I reckon I've seen with stuff around their head the most. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, So I'm pretty stoked to add old Bowie Waters to to the mix. So that's me. That's me, team. Campbell Brown probably missed out. Yeah, a couple of other honourable mentions that I've got on my list. Uh, and I wrote these down as honourable mentions. I probably wasn't feeling about drafting too many of them. If Jack Viney had played another 80 or so games, he might be higher up on the list, but he's a pretty tough cunt. Uh, mm-hmm. Fifey, I don't think so, but his name popped up once or twice. Lenny Hayes was also pretty tough. Yeah, Hayes and Rewalt both were on a lot of lists. Yeah. Which um, I thought was interesting. Jack Zebel kind of views, in my eyes, seems like a tough nut, like a tough player. Okay. Um, yep. Probably not a draftable one. Barry Hall was, again, on a lot of lists, but I feel like he was more of a thug than a tough nut. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of, lot of tough blokes to play footy, but I reckon if you looked at the two lists of four that we've got, that's two quartets, right? Uh, I reckon we've encompassed it pretty well. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. And like we say, we didn't touch the older crew that much because we didn't. I just, I honestly just don't feel like I know what fucking talking about, really. Yeah. Like, with the exception of Lee Matthews and some of the like late 80 Dermot Bird and Hawks, 
my 40 knowledge doesn't stretch much, much past West Coast coming into the league, I'll be honest. So yeah, yeah, I'm the exact same. Yeah, I could have could have gone for Lenny Hayes or something like that, but I'm not unhappy. I got lethal rounding out the squad. Another uh, interesting mm. vote ahead, I reckon. Yeah, this will be a close one. I think you getting Glenn Archer is pretty big, honestly. Joel and Glenn, top two. Just, yeah, that makes it tough. Joel will get a bit of the, like, oh, you know, he's a ducker thing more than yeah more than anyone else on this list, I reckon. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know who's his. You kind of feel like Pickett and Waters offset each other. And then you've kind of got superstars from there on up. So you're like, well, fucking, this could, uh, this will be a 50 50, I almost. Yeah, reckon. this could go either way. Tough one. Hey, yeah. We'll, but uh, I reckon, Glenn. We'll let the Sports Buy Fry fans uh, decide. All right. Hopefully, there's some relevant basketball news to talk about when we sit down next week. But, you know, otherwise, we, you'll be getting Zeke Naji and, uh, Brandon Goodwin updates from the Summer League. Plus, I'm sure there'll be some footy story that'll break that'll uh, be worth sussing. Bloody oath. Bones Island will be playing a bit at the Summer League, so I'll be Oh, excited. that'll be cool. You know, I think he will. Never know. He might already be too good for the Summer League, mate. They might be like, sorry, Bones. Maybe. You're actually not allowed. He's training with them, but we, you never know. You mm. might be too good. Watch your space. All right. Cheers for sitting down again, J-Lo. We will do it again next week. 